after setback. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is a message of hope. Peter calls the resurrection a living hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And this morning, today, we need hope more than ever. We are facing incredible fears, anxieties, grief, depression, boredom, anger, irritability. There are stresses of all kinds that have been brought on because of this crisis, this very unique hour that we live in. Now, I like to divide the stresses into major and minor stresses. Now, some of the major stresses that we're dealing with, obviously, we have the fear of contracting the virus ourselves or maybe our loved ones contracting the virus. We have the fear of dying from it. And then those of you that have jobs that are in the healthcare industry, you're on the front lines and you go to work every day and then you come home and you have the fear of whether you are going to get the virus. And then there are those that work in the public sec sector and you're before people, interacting with people, and, and you have that fear uh, of, of, of the virus. And then there's the fear of your finances, losing your job. If you've lost your job, there's the fear of what does the future look like. And, and, then, and then there's some unique fears of miss. Think about graduations that won't happen. Think about weddings that, that won't happen during this time or other uh, life changes that we won't be able to celebrate or partake of or being involved in. And, and, and there's going to be a lot of grief. There's going to be a lot of grief that we all have to deal with in the coming days. And those are the minor, I mean, those are the major stresses. But then there's some minor stresses and frustrations. And, and sometimes the little things, they add up. You know, a couple of pebbles rolling down a hill won't knock you over. But an avalanche of pebbles can, can bury you. And, and so these minor stresses like being isolated, quarantined, uh, not being able to go out, no restaurants, no movies, no gym, no hair salon, no barber to go to. And, and these frustrations could add up in our lives. And more than ever, we're all having a bad hair day. Um, my dog, Bella, she is 14 years old, and she is a snoodle. A snoodle, snoodle is a mixture between schnauzer and poodle. And she was long overdue for a grooming. And so my wife decided to cut her hair. Uh, now, Bella was having a real bad hair day. And so my wife began to cut her hair. And after she was done, Bella looked like she was run over by a lawnmower. I mean, if she had a bad hair day before, she surely had a worse hair day even after. And I even thought of my, having my wife cut my hair because my hair has been getting longer and misshapen and I'm, I'm overdue for my visit to the barber. But what I failed to tell you that while my wife was cutting Bella's hair, she accidentally cut her ear. I said it right, her ear, not her hair. And her ear began to bleed profusely. 
It was at that moment I got a revelation. Do not have Lisa cut my hair. Well, for those of you that are dog lovers, be rest assured, Bella healed up well. She's doing fine. Uh, she still needs to go to the groomer, but we'll deal with that a little later in the future. So there are major and then there are minor stresses that we all deal with. But as we look in the scriptures, I am just amazed that the word of God is as relevant as tomorrow's news feed. I mean, it is just so relevant. And when we look at the first Easter 2,000 years ago, you know, we realize that it wasn't much different than what we're going through right now. John chapter 20, please join with me. I want to encourage you, look at the scriptures, hear the word of God. It's the word that changes us, heals us, delivers us, gives us joy, brings light, brings revelation. It's the truth that sets us free. And so in John chapter 20, I read the word of God, verses 19 to 22. Then the same day at evening, the same day, meaning Easter Sunday, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. He said, Shalom. Now when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Here we have the disciples on resurrection evening. It was the first day of the week. It was Sunday, just like today. And here were the disciples, they are in a room with locked doors, and the Bible says that they were in fear of the Jews. Here it was, they were in quarantine, if you will. They were in isolation. As a matter of fact, they were only 10 in number. Uh, uh, our federal government has requested or required us to limit our gatherings to 10 people. And here they were in that room. They were abiding by the, the numbers, the quarantine. There were 10 of them because Judas is not there and Thomas is also not there. So there are 10 of them in a room for fear of the Jewish authorities. You ask, why were they in fear? Because the same Jewish authorities that had killed Jesus could also kill them. Remember, when Jesus was arrested by the Jewish authorities, these same disciples fled. They ran for their lives. So here they are. They are living behind closed doors. The doors are locked. They are in fear. And they are stressing out, uncertain about what the future held. They had such fear and uncertainty about the future. Come on, let's look at what the Word of God says. Let's look how we can draw encouragement from the Scriptures to know that we're not alone, to know that the Word of God is true no matter when you live, where you live, no matter what you're going through, you can find points of relating and encouragement from God's Word. 
And so here they are. They're, they're, there's so much uncertainty. They were wondering how long would this go on? Would it go on for weeks and months? Would they be able to get out of Jerusalem and go back to their own city in Galilee in the northern region of the land of Israel? What would become of their families? There was so much uncertainty. Understand, when Jesus came and he preached, they had a certain expectation of Christ setting up an earthly kingdom, a political kingdom, overthrowing the Romans and setting up the kingdom of Israel once again on the earth, the kingdom of God being manifest in a physical sense. And so when Jesus was crucified, they're now in fear and uncertainty. What does the future look like? Would the authorities come hunting for them? You see, it is times like this that we ask the question, God, are you really seeing this? Like, God, this is getting pretty bad. God, I, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know what my future looks like. You see, this first Easter, there were real issues and real problems. So when I read this passage of Scripture, I say, what is God up to? What is God going to do? And so what blessed me as I read this scripture, look at verse 19. In the midst of their fear, their isolation, their quarantining, if you will, here they are, uncertain about the future, not knowing what tomorrow would hold. What happens? The Bible says Jesus came and he stood in their midst. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. Here Jesus is coming to them in their fear, in their confusion, in their frustration. Jesus walks into that room. You see, Jesus doesn't just come to us when we're at a high point or when we're living in faith and riding high. He comes to us even in our fear, even in our discouragement. I love the song, the old song, he came down to my level when I couldn't get up to his. Hallelujah. That's what the gospel is all about. God sending his son in the form of Jesus, taking our sin, taking our place, living among us, dying on a cross. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. What was he saying? If I be lifted up on the cross, if I be crucified, I will draw all men unto me. The cross has a spiritual magnetism. The cross has a drawing effect upon humanity because it tells us that there is a God who loves us. There is a God who's merciful. There is a God who has provided for the forgiveness of our sins if we would repent and turn to him with all our heart. I encourage you today, I don't know where you are at, in your spiritual journey. But I encourage you to turn and embrace Jesus Christ. He loves you. He died for you on the cross. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. And that truth, that glorious truth is what we celebrate today. So quickly, three thoughts. How did Jesus deal with their crisis? 
I believe it's safe to say, I believe I'm not over-dramatizing uh, it or, or trying to make uh, this passage fit our life or our life fit the context of this passage. But I do believe they were in crisis. Wouldn't you say their leader had been killed? They themselves were in fear of the Jewish authorities. They were uncertain about their future. They didn't know what tomorrow held. So how did Jesus deal with their crisis? Number one, he reassured them. He reassured them. Verse 19 and verse 21, Jesus spoke the words, peace. He spoke the word, shalom. That word, shalom, was a common phrase that was used and is still used today in Israel. When I've been in Israel, it's been so awesome to hear day in and day out, wherever you go, shalom, shalom, shalom. And that word, that word means wholeness, harmony, security, completeness, wellness. So what was Jesus saying? He was reassuring them, no matter what was going on, shalom. And that word carried an impact and a, and a power behind it because it was coming from the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, who had conquered death, hell, and the grave. So when he spoke those words, they had life to them. And those same words have life to us. And Jesus speaks peace to us. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Wow. You know, in this world, there are false, there's a false peace. There's a temporary peace. And there are fragile. There's a fragile peace. But Jesus brings true peace. And he came to his disciples and he reassured them that no matter what was going on, the, the upheaval that they were facing, he said, peace. And Jesus speaks peace to you this morning. The resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, speaks peace to you and I. In Psalm 4, verse 8, David says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. David was acknowledging that he can rest in peace. He can lie down in peace because the Lord was the one who made him dwell in safety. The Lord is the one who watches over us. This peace is Jesus rebuking the wind and the waves on the Sea of Galilee. And there was a great calm. This peace is Jesus delivering a tormented man from evil spirits. This is the peace of Jesus saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you believe that this morning? What a promise from God. Reassuring in times like this that there is a peace. There is a peace from God. Number two, how did Jesus help these disciples deal with this crisis? He recommissioned them. He recommissioned them. He not only reassured them, he recommissioned them. Verse 21, as the Father has sent me, I send you. You see, in the lives of these apostles, these disciples of Christ, during Jesus' earthly ministry, they were sent out many times to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to minister comfort to people, uh, to help the needy, to 
uh, pray to be a blessing. And, and, and they, were, they were doing that ministry. And now they're at a point, after all that has happened, this is a crisis. So for them, the question is, where do we go from here? And what Jesus is doing is he's recommissioning them. He's letting them know, listen, there might be a crisis, but nothing's changed. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. I still am sending you. And even though it was difficult for them, there was persecution, there was threats, there was fear. They were still called to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, nothing had changed. They were still sent, and they needed to be recommissioned and, and, and reinforced in their lives that, you know what, more than ever, the world needed their ministry and their words of hope and the gospel that they preached. Today is no different. 2,000 years later, on this Easter Sunday, the world that we live in still needs words of hope, acts of kindness, and prayers of faith. And I, and, and I recommission you, as the body of Christ, we are still the church. We might not be gathering, but we're still the church. You know, we've always said this before. I've said this so many times when we come together and we say, you know what, this building is not the church. It's just the, the place where the church gathers. The church is you. The church is me. We make up the church. And we're still called. We're still sent. We're still on a mission. You know, during times of human suffering and tragedy, there's a question that is asked invariably by all people. When there's a crisis, whether it be a famine, a hurricane, COVID-19, the question is asked, where is God? Where is God? And I think that's a good question. I believe God, he's here. He's grieving. You see, Jesus, before his crucifixion, when he went to the, the Mount of Olives and he overlooked the city of Jerusalem, the Bible says he wept over the city. He grieved over that city because he knew what was going to come upon that city because they were going to reject his message. And you see, God is always moved with compassion over the suffering of humanity. That's what Good Friday is all about. That's what his Easter is all about. God sending his son to suffer in our place so that you and I would not have to suffer for our sins, but we could be forgiven of our sins and we could have the hope of eternal life. Where is God? He's grieving. God's heart is broken over suffering and tragedy. But not only is he grieving, but he's giving. God is still giving through his people. Churches, ministries, individual believers who keep loving, who keep praying, who keep serving. Here we are as a church and, and we are still in the office five days a week. I believe that we still need to be here making calls, praying, serving our community on Tuesdays, giving out food uh, to, to those that are in need. That, that we in the midst of a crisis are still commissioned 
to serve God. Where is God? He's working through his body. We are the body of Christ. We're his hands. We're his feet. We have a purpose. We have a reason for being. Jesus recommissioned them. He said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And I encourage you today as followers of Christ, as as believers in Jesus this morning, we are commissioned, we are still called to be a witness, to be a testimony, to pray, to give, to serve, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. Nothing has changed. There have been crises. There have been plagues. You know, in the first few centuries after the church, there were plagues in in Rome. And, you know, it was the Christians that were ministering to the sick. It was in crisis that the church would shine the brightest. And I know you've heard it. It's been said. But a, a fearful world needs a fearless church. And we are commissioned, we are recommissioned. As the Father sends me, Jesus said, so send I you. And thirdly, he not only reassured them, he recommissioned them, but he enabled them. He enabled them. Look what the word of God tells us in verse 22. He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. More than ever, more than ever, we need the Holy Spirit. You see, this scripture kind of echoes Genesis 2 verse 7. Remember when God created the heavens and the earth and he created man. He took dust from the earth. He shaped uh, man into a living soul. And the Bible says he breathed into him the breath of life. And Jesus breathes into us the Holy Spirit. And he he gave life to Adam in creation, but he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit in Christ for recreation and for empowerment. You see, there are things in life that you and I cannot do in our own strength. And the sooner we learn that, the better off we'll be, and and the sooner we will learn to trust in the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit. I believe now more than ever we need the infilling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We've always needed Him, but sometimes we can skate along in our own strength and do, do a lot. We could accomplish a lot with, with dis- discipline, um, willpower, human strength and ingenuity, but you know what? There are some things that are not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And we're living in an hour where we're going to be forced to pray harder. We're going to be forced to trust more. We're going to become more desperate and say, God, if you don't anoint me, if you don't fill me, if you don't breathe on me, God, I can't do it. I don't know about you, but I'm at that point. I need need God more than ever. I'm in this with you. We're all in this together. We all have challenges fears, questions, uncertainty about the future. But you know what? Each and every day we need to receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Bible tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead quickens our mortal body. The question is, do we really believe it? You know, when I, this morning, 
I was reading all four gospel accounts of the resurrection of Jesus. And you know what struck me? Jesus was with his disciples for three and a half years. And he would uh, begin to teach them towards the end of his ministry that he was going to suffer, that he was going to die, and that on the third day he would rise again. And he would begin to teach them. And, 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 and they heard it and, and they knew it. But you know what it says in, in one of the gospel accounts? They had not known of the resurrection of Christ. And that puzzled me. But you know what? It's different to know about something than to really know it. You can hear certain things. You can even know and be able to quote creed and doctrine. But you know what? It's a big difference to know it experientially and to know it in reality. And this morning, we need to know not just the belief of the resurrection, but we need to know about the practice of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. So that means there's hope. That means there's overcoming power. You know, my prayer for you as I, I bring this to a close this morning. In Ephesians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, chapter 1, this is my prayer on this Easter, in this COVID-19 hour. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And here, here it is, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. What is Paul saying? Paul experienced the power of the resurrection of Jesus in his own life. And he prayed for other believers. I want you to know. I want you to know that power this morning. You see, we need resurrection power to quicken us. We need resurrection power to get back up when we get knocked down. When we get knocked down by discouragement, despondency, despair, dejection. We need to get back up in Jesus' name. You may have fallen this morning. You might have strayed in your faith. You may be backslidden. Come on, let's, let's be honest this morning. Let's not hide behind cute little posts on Facebook and social media, all good spiritual things we say. You know in your heart you're not living right. You know in your heart you're cold towards God. But today on Resurrection Sunday, I pray that you would come alive in Jesus' name. I pray that your faith would be in Christ today. I pray that you would turn to the Lord with all of your heart. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Repent. Turn to Him. Believe for the power of Jesus to flow in you. You may be grieving today, but in Jesus' name, your sorrow will turn to joy. God will give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. You may feel hopeless today. But in Jesus' name, the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. God bless you this morning. God bless you this Easter Sunday. I pray that you would be filled with hope, filled with courage, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit today as our faith strengthens us, as our hope rises up in Christ today. God bless you. Happy Resurrection Sunday. As your pastor, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm standing with you and believing God. And you know what? Together, we're going to get through this. So I want to pray. We're going to close with one powerful, powerful worship chorus. Let your faith rise up. Let your courage rise up this morning. Sing with all of your heart. Let's pray right now. Father, thank you for the word of God. God, that you do reassure us and speak peace over our lives. God, you do recommission us and send us once again. And Lord, you also enable us today, filling us with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be open. We would receive the presence and power of your Spirit today on this Easter Sunday. Father God, I pray that you would make up for all the lack, make up for all the grief, make up for all the loss we've experienced. One touch of your spirit, one experience of your presence will make such a difference, Father. We thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. God bless you. Happy Easter.